Well, good morning. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And what a wonderful truth that is for us uh, to begin our service with this morning. We want to welcome those who are joining with us on our live stream, uh, whether you're there on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, be sure to like, to share, to subscribe, uh, to retweet there on Twitter, do all those things. Uh, follow us on YouTube so that that way you can be uh, subscribed there. Uh, follow us on Facebook. That way you can always get those notifications when we go uh, live. And then welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming service. If you don't have that number, and would like that number, we'll be glad to give that to you. Just call the church office uh, or you can see me after service and I'll be glad to give that to you. Uh, hopefully in person you've got one of our bulletins as you came in this morning uh, from our ushers. If you need one of those still, they're in the windowsills on both sides as well as at the doors as you leave this morning. Uh, if you're at home, you can go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab that you can download the worship bulletin for today. You can download our children's worship bulletins there also. You can share those links with anybody that you want. If you need those in person, don't forget they're in the windowsill over here to my right. And there's two different ones. There's one for ages three and up, one for ages seven and up. Uh, so be sure to notice that when you pick those up. And then also don't forget our prayer list that's also under that info tab. You can download that. Uh, be sure to get that downloaded and be praying through that prayer list this week. If you need one of these in person, there, uh, think over here on the pew in front of me for right now. They're usually out here on the table across from the offices. And then also one other thing we've just added to the info tab there uh, because it was brought up at our last business meeting uh, by the Buildings and Grounds Committee as well as our Missions Committee is the housing agreement for the house down here so that you can be taking a look at that. Uh, it's under that info tab too, so go ahead and take a look at that. You can download it. If you want to pay paper version, just call the church office. We'll be glad to get that for you. Or if you just want us to email it to you, uh, let us know that and we'll send it to you in an email. However you need to get that, we can make sure you get that before our next business meeting uh, for that. So just wanted to welcome everybody who's here this morning. I uh, hope you're ready for a wonderful service this morning. Don't the flags outside look great this morning? Amen. Amen. We've had a time with the storms and, and them trying to blow them down. And some, uh, we think we did have one that turned up missing again this year like we did last year. So uh, just pray for that, that the person will be convicted of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brother Mike. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we've sung about God loving us, and he loves you and me. So let's sing 146 in your hymnal, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. Why don't you join the choir by standing?
this morning, you'll notice in your bulletins, our missionary of the week is Samuel Ravello uh, and his family. Uh, he is, uh, when he was 24 years old, he joined the Navy. A couple of years later, uh, he started serving as a chaplain's assistant. He loved the work, he loved the ministry, and so he officially uh, began that process to become a chaplain in the U.S. Navy. He gets deployed with them as they go out, and so we want to pray for him and for their safety also when he's not deployed. Uh, he's leading retreats for couples, ministering uh, to families uh, on the bases wherever he may be. So we want to pray that God will continue to use Sammy uh, to bring uh, healing to the sailors and to and, and their spouses and their families. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for Samuel Ravello and his family and our missionaries. Holy Father, thank you so much for the blessing that you have laid upon individuals who have answered the call to be your missionaries around this world. We especially, Lord, want to uplift Samuel Ravello and his family as he is a chaplain in the U.S. Navy. We pray for his as well as all the other soldiers, not only of the Navy, but of other branches also. Pray for their protection. But we pray that you'll open up opportunities for Sammy uh, as he continues to share the gospel with those uh, he's serving alongside. Uh, Father, I pray that you'll help them to feel uh, comfortable in their hearts to come and to talk to him and to open up. Uh, Father, I pray that you'll just bring people across his path who need Jesus as their Lord and their Savior and that you'll send him across their paths, uh, that they, he would be able to share encouragement and hope in Jesus Christ who has given us salvation through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. So we ask your blessings upon him, help him to bring healing to sa sailors as well as to their spouses, and we just ask your blessings upon him as well as all of our missionary servants around North America and all around the world also. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our services this morning as we come to worship you. Sometimes, Lord, we come with heavy burdens, and so we just want to lay all those burdens at the foot of the cross and ask you, Lord, to take those burdens from us. Help us, Lord, to leave them there and to let you do your work in our hearts and our lives to bring comfort and peace and encouragement to our lives as we press forward in the days ahead to be the witness you would have us to be. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Let me just also remind you, especially for those at home, if you're in person, you should have offering envelopes in the pew in front of you. You can fill those out to put your offering in the offering plates at the front. There are offering plates at the doors as you leave also, so you can do that there. Uh, you can also do it online from here. Uh, you can do it online from home. So go to HighlandBaptistChurch.com, go to the far right-hand side, click that Give Online tab. Easy platform uh, set up there for you to do your online giving. And so uh, just, again, welcome for our service this morning. We're going to do some other things with pledging allegiance to our flag uh, in just a little while here. Uh, we'll do that before our choir is going to sing their special in just a little bit. So Brother Mike, come and lead us. John 15, 5, Jesus says, Without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing. Paraphrasing with a hyphen. Yeah. Um, so we need Jesus all the time. We need him every hour. Let's sing that song, 450, I Need Thee Every Hour.
just need to pledge first. So as our choir is getting ready to sing this morning, we want to ask you if you would to stand with us as we say the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we'll let you remain seated for the choir special. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You can be seated.
now please join us as we sing hymn 300 without him so stand and join as we sing this Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to John's Gospel as we continue our walk through the life of Jesus. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 15 down through verse 31. I've entitled the message this morning, Never Alone, because that's what Jesus promises in these verses. He's never going to leave us alone. In fact, he uses the word orphans there, that he's not going to leave us as orphans. And so we're going to see how this passage applies to us today as we continue this walk through his life. Remember, this is the upper room discourse that he's giving uh, to his disciples and by virtue of that to us also. But we're going to be reading John chapter 14, verse 15 through verse 18 to begin with. So if you would, let's stand and read God's word in honor of his word. Now, this verse we read last week, and we went over this again, but we'll, we'll just quickly review it today. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the truth of your word this morning. Father, we know that it is effectual, it is powerful to do the work in our hearts, to transform us, Lord, to renew us in our hearts and in our minds, to be more conformed to the image of Christ. So, Father, I pray for those who are already believers, Lord, that they would see in this passage that within our hearts, within our lives, if we have truly trusted in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we have the greatest resource, the greatest power that any person on this earth could ever have, and that is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit living within us. But Father, I pray especially for those who have never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. I pray you will use this passage and this message that Jesus shares with his disciples to remind them that he will never leave them alone. Lord, there's a lot of people in this world who feel lonely, mostly because they don't have Jesus in their hearts. Father, I pray that you will use this to stir them to, to come to saving faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So do your work in and through this passage. Lord, speak through this message, and I pray that we will hear your voice, and that when it comes time to respond, Lord, we would respond to ask Christ into our hearts to draw closer to you and to realize these assurances that you give us in this passage. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. What a wonderful way that song starts off. That so often we have sang, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. That's where I want to focus this message this morning, and that's what all four points are going to lead to, to show us some assurances that we can have if we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, or when you trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you can have these assurances. As I was preparing for this and, and looking at this from the perspective of what Jesus was sharing with his disciples, he's about to go to the cross. He's been telling them over and over, I'm getting ready to leave you. And they're thinking, wait a second, we just got started. We've only been with you three, three and a half years. And so it's beginning to work on their hearts and their minds. And Jesus knows this. And he begins to share with them this encouraging message about that they would never be alone. Loneliness is becoming an epidemic. In fact, a recent study revealed that Generation Z, if you don't know who that is, that's adults ages 18 to 22, and millennials who are adults ages 23 to 37 are lonelier and claim to be in worse health than older generations. It's found that students have higher loneliness scores than retirees do. They also found, though, that retirees are not out of the, out of the, the loop here either. Uh, they also found that the U.S. federal health care system spends about $6.7 billion per year related to loneliness among the elderly. Cigna, uh, the health uh, conglomerate there, did a study of about 20,000 people. And they found that loneliness and social isolation increased the risk of premature death by 26% and 29% 
respectively. And loneliness leads to 29% increase of heart disease, risk of heart disease, and 32% risk of increased risk of stroke. Do you know that, Dr. Lee? <laughs> this is startling. This particular uh, thing that I came across in the study, and it's in the, the U.S. Health study there uh, that our Surgeon General that I'll mention in a moment uh, did. Uh, this is what it said. It said, loneliness and isolation have similar effects on health and mortality as being obese, being an alcoholic, and it's even worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. The Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, uh, recently came out with an advisory on addressing the effects of loneliness and isolation. You can go on the web and search that. In, in the U.S., it said that stress-related absenteeism attributed to, uh, to loneliness costs employers an estimated $154 billion annually. They also found that almost half of Americans, 49% in 2021, reported having fewer, uh, three or fewer close friends. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to us, but back in 1990, that same question was asked, and only 27% said they had three or fewer. So people are getting more and more and more isolated. Loneliness is a huge problem today. It was a huge problem for Jesus' disciples because he's been telling them, I'm going away. And they're thinking, wait, wait, we don't want you to go away yet. And so Jesus knew it was going to be a huge problem for his disciples when he left. And so in this upper room discourse... He, he makes two promises to his disciples and, he, and to us. One thing he says to them that he promises is that he's going away. And, and that's where the loneliness comes in. And then secondly, he says to them and promises them, I will not leave you alone. And so think about that. He says, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. How could that be? And that was confusing to the disciples. And so I want to show you these, three, these four assurances, blessed assurances, that remind us that we are never alone. The first we kind of looked at last week, and so I just want to review that as we look at verse 15 and then go to a few other verses here also, is the assurance of His love. So the one thing you can know this morning is that Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter where you are, what stage in life you are. Doesn't matter if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior or you've been a faithful follower for generations. Jesus loves you. That's why He died on the cross for your sins. He loves you. And, and so last week we talked about in verse 15 about how love always precedes obedience. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And so we learned last week also that without love, religious activity isn't really even godly obedience. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 that there are those who worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They say I'm a follower, but their actions don't show it in their lives. We learned also in the construction of the Greek in the New Testament, it literally means there, as it says in the English Standard Version, you will keep. And then he says this down in verse 21. 
He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Then you go on down to verse 23. And Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our, we will come to him and make our home with him. Now that means that when we sin, it's primarily because we aren't loving Jesus like we ought to. In fact, the very foundation of our life is our love. That's why he says, If you love me, then here's how the evidence shows. Not that the obedience comes before the loving. Uh, you love him out of, when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior because he first loved you. And so it's the very foundation of our life. The fruit, though, of our love is our lifestyle, if you keep my commandments. And so we also find that there are many blessings in obedience. In fact, we find that it proves our salvation. One of the greatest places you can go if you're ever doubting or, or having some issues about your salvation that you're just concerned, do I really know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? I always encourage people to go to 1 John. Now, you don't want to just read it at face value. You want to actually get into it and study it because you could come away from it looking at it and thinking of a work salvation. And that's not at all what John is saying, not at all what the Lord is speaking to us in that, uh, in that wonderful book. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says this, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. So you can say, I love Jesus, you can say with your lips that you follow Jesus, but what is the evidence in your life? Are you keeping His commands? It also brings blessings. Uh, you go back to the Old Testament in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It promises us spiritual success there for those, spiritual blessing there for those who obey the Word. In fact, it says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You go all the way to the end of the Bible, and you go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. And here's what it says there, Blessed are they that do His commandments. And so uh, when you look at these words here, it, it reveals uh, also uh, right priorities. Acts chapter 5 and, and verse 29 says, we must obey God rather than men. That needs to be our priority in our life, that we put obeying Him first. Because obedience pleases God. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, Samuel said, has, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. So he tells us there in the Old Testament, a principle we can learn also for our lives, that it's better to obey the voice of the Lord. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is a good witness for Christ. Then you go over to the New Testament again. Romans chapter 14 warns us about being a stumbling block. Because if you're saying one thing and living another thing, then you're not only being a hypocrite, you're also being a stumbling block to others coming to faith in Christ. Now, it may sound old-fashioned, but if you love Jesus, then that ought to impact every aspect of your life. And that's what we learned about in verse 15 last week. But understand that Jesus has not left us 
alone because we're connected to him by his spirit when we trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. So not only is his refusal to leave us alone connected to our obedience, it's also connected to the assurance of the Holy Spirit. That's our second point, the second assurance you can have, that he has promised he will send the Holy Spirit. In fact, go back to verse 16 and verse 17. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So we have the assurance of his love, even though Jesus isn't here, maybe physically, his Spirit is here. Christ does not leave us alone. That's what verse 16 is saying. And, and so Jesus promises them that the Father will give them another helper. Uh, now, he calls the Holy Spirit the comforter, the helper. In the Greek, it's the word paraclete, uh, because this word is only used in John. Uh, it's a little bit tough to nail down the precise definition of his term. It's translated helper or comforter or advocate sometimes. Uh, some translate it literally the one who comes alongside because that's what it literally means. And so the key to understanding this term is to look at the word Jesus uses right before that word paraclete. He promises the disciples another helper, another paraclete, another, that they, another means that they already have one. They already have a paraclete. They already have a comforter. They already have a counselor. They already have a helper. Who's that? Him, Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to fulfill the role Jesus, that Jesus has been fulfilling with the disciples. He's going to comfort them. He's going to strengthen them. He's going to teach them. And just like Jesus has been doing, uh, the Holy Spirit now, now is going to come. He, he's going to indwell them. Notice verse 16 says he's going to be with you. Verse 17 tells us he's also going to be in you. Notice verse 23. Verse 23 says, we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, there, this isn't a message on the Trinity, but that's another proof there, uh, another affirmation of the Trinity. If you read there in verse 18 and verse 19, he goes on to say, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. So what Jesus is saying in those words that he's saying there in verse 18 and verse 19, he says, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. Now for the disciples, in the moment that they're in there with Jesus in that upper room, it just doesn't make sense. You're going to leave us, but you're not going to leave us alone. How can the two coexist at the same time? And so it doesn't really make sense to them. I mean, which is it? That's really the idea behind the question that's posed by, by Judas, not Iscariot. Uh, he's, the, he's the son of James. Sometimes he's called Thaddeus. Uh, he's, this faithful disciple uh, with that infamous name asked a great question. In verse 22, notice what he says. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. He's basically asking, how's all this going to work? 
How are you going to teach us things that the world can't understand? How are we going to stay connected if you go away? And the answer from Jesus involves the person of the Holy Spirit. So, so think of it in this way. How many of us who are here this morning, you've ever uh, wished that Jesus could just be sitting next to you and you could have a face-to-face -face conversation with him? You're going through some trial, you're going through some struggle, and you're wanting to know, what am I supposed to do, Lord? What's the direction I'm supposed to take? How am I supposed to respond in this situation that I'm going through? Lord, if I could just have that face-to-face -face talk with you. You ever found yourself longing to tell it? about your everyday life and, and asking Him to help you make sense of it all. Well, understand this. You already have that ability. You already have that opportunity because of the Holy Spirit. And, and so just like Jesus could comfort and strengthen His disciples, we also can be comforted and strengthened through His Spirit who indwells us. So the question then becomes... How connected am I, am I to the Lord Jesus? How close am I to Him? Is there sin in my life that is hindering and affecting my relationship with Him? And so it's like the song we often sing that says, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives, He lives within my heart. And, and so He indwells us as believers. He not only indwells the saints, He also instructs us through the Scriptures. That's why it's so important for you to be in God's Word, studying God's Word, not just reading God's Word. That's a great plan to have, to read through the Bible in a year or to at least read through the Bible in your lifetime or, or however you want to do that. But you need to be studying God's Word, getting into it more than just reading it, applying it to your heart and to your life each and every day. And, and so if you want to hear the audible voice of God, Read your Bible out loud. He's already spoken to us. This is His Word to you. He's given you everything you need right here. And everything the Holy Spirit is going to tell you is, is not going to be contradictory to His Word. He's always going to be pointing you to Jesus. He's always going to be glorifying the Father. And so with the Bible, it doesn't have to be hard to figure out exactly what the author intended. In this case of Scripture, we have the author living inside us. John chapter 16 and verse 13 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we tend to think, boy, if I could just hear the voice of Jesus. But understand, you already have the Holy Spirit within you. And, and the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has recorded exactly what Jesus said. And the Spirit will reveal exactly what Jesus meant. So that leads us to our third assurance, the assurance of the resurrection. And I want to take you back a few verses and go back to verse 18 through verse 20. Go back to those verses that we skipped over there because we see here the assurance of his resurrection. So he said, I will not leave you as orphans. 
I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And so his assurance is right there in verse 18, I will come to you. He's promising them he is going to return. So after the resurrection happens, he does. He, he, he says, I'm not going to appear to the world, those who don't believe, but I'm going to appear to my disciples, to my followers, and that's exactly what he did. When you read all the accounts of Jesus appearing after his resurrection, it was always to his followers. It was never to the world in general out there, to the lost world at that time. And he says, you're going to see me again in such a way that you're never going to doubt that Jesus is the Son of God. And so this is a promise of his post-resurrection appearance. Now, that wasn't made specifically to us 2,000 years removed, but the promise of the resurrection is. And so notice that statement that's tucked right in the middle. Because I live, you also will live. That's true for us. We know of Jesus' love, and we are assured of his love because he arose from the dead, conquering death, the hell, and the grave for us. He went to the cross. Why? Because he loved us, and he arose triumphantly so we would no longer need to fear death. We have the assurance of the resurrection that because he lives, we also can live. What a wonderful assurance that is for us this morning. Which comes to our final assurance, the one I want to spend the most time on. The assurance of his peace. The assurance of his peace. Because there's a lot of people in this world that are looking for the presence of peace in their lives. A lot of people who are lonely, who are needing that assurance in their hearts and their lives. And so we're going to see this through verse 27 through verse 31. In fact, look, if you will, uh, on down to uh, verse 27. So in verse 27 he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So a common farewell around that time was to wish somebody peace. And so when Jesus wishes them peace, it's not just some superficial goodbye but it's a genuine reality. He has brought peace to them with God, and he's giving them a peace that the world cannot offer. You know, so often we, we, we hear the song, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for peace in all the wrong places. And so notice he's bought this peace with his precious blood, and this peace will calm their hearts when the world around them is in turmoil. That's the kind of peace he promises to you this morning, that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you can have a peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. The peace that Jesus gives comes through his defeat of our greatest enemies, of sin, his defeat of death, and his defeat of Satan. And so when Jesus is speaking this to his disciples, a cosmic battle is about to begin, but the outcome was decided long ago. Look on down to verse 30. He says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. 
He says, the ruler of this world is coming. Who's that? That's the devil. But he says, he doesn't have any claim on me. He doesn't have any authority uh, over me. Satan has nothing to bring against Jesus, and he will be defeated. And so peace for us came through a, a great battle, came through great violence. Peace with God was delivered when Jesus offered up his life to be brutally slaughtered. And that's the beauty of the gospel, that we have peace because Jesus fought a war that we could not win so we could have his peace. And despite the Lord's promise to them that I'm going to be resurrected, I'm coming back again, despite his promises to them about heaven, it seems like their heart is still heavy. So when you read verse 27 there, for the second time in this chapter, you remember John chapter 14, verse 1 to verse 6, the great passage many of us have memorized. He reminds us there uh, to let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, you, you read here in, in verse, uh, he says, uh, let not your hearts trouble, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. He speaks about heaven there and what he's come to do. And so for the second time in verse 27, he repeats that. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. John MacArthur says that they, they were short-sighted because they saw the Lord's death only in terms of what would be lost to them, not what would be gained to him. In other words, they were, uh, they were only thinking about the right now. While Jesus has eternity on his mind and forever in his view, and so when Jesus, uh, ha what he has his mind on is a blood-stained cross. He has his heart and his mind on the gift of salvation and his ascended presence to the Father to intercede on their behalf. That was something infinitely better than him just spending a few more days with them on this earth. And so here's what they needed to do and what we needed to do. They needed to look back to why he was slain. You see that in verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Verse 30, I will no longer talk with you much, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Verse 31, though, says, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So there they are gathered around that table. And they felt anything in their hearts but peace. I mean, think about what has already transpired at this point. Judas has already left the room. Judas has already left to go finish the acts of betraying Jesus. Now there's talk of death. Peter has been called out. Jesus knows that the hour of his death is at hand, and he's not running away from it. But rather, he's facing it head on. Certainly in his humanity, he, he's not looking forward to the nails. In his deity, he isn't even looking forward to, to becoming sin for us. And yet, in the submission of the Father in verse 31, but I do as the Father has commanded me. He heads to the cross. Why? To provide for us what we really need. Peace, peace with God. Money can't buy it. Good deeds can't earn it. Pills won't produce it. 
we can be healthy and wealthy, especially we can be wealthy if some way we could bottle it and, and, and sell peace to the world. But millions take uh, all kinds of antidepressants looking for peace. Millions drink alcohol to escape their problems looking for peace. Others uh, pursue various other forms of drugs and thrills and relationships all looking for peace. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God offered peace to mankind when he sent his only begotten son to down the cross for us. In fact, here's what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, in other words, when you come to faith in Christ, it, you're, you've been justified before him. You deserve death, but Jesus took that punishment upon himself. And therefore, since you've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So look at back at, at why he was slain. That's one of the things we need to do. But then we need to look up also to where he is seated. Go back to verse 28 and verse 29 there. He said, you heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. He understands their confusion about what's going on here, how this is all going to work out. He says, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced. And they're thinking, how can we rejoice when you're going to leave us all alone? Because that's all they could think on. He said, but you should have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. So think about all that's transpired in just the last hours before Jesus says this. You go back and you watch as Jesus washed those smelly, dirty feet of his disciples. You look into the upper room as he announces his betrayal and he listens and you listen as you hear him tell Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. You see him in the darkness, as we will later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying alone. You see him as he begs the Father for another way, but don't look away. Fix your eyes on Jesus who's in that garden, the author and the finisher of our faith, as he takes that cup of sin and death and drains it dry. Watch as the betrayer comes and, and kisses him with that kiss of betrayal, that kiss of death. And then you follow that late night crowd through a mockery of unjust trials. And then you listen in as Pilate declares, I find no fault in him. And you watch as the crowds cry out, crucify him crucify him. And you look on, uh, on, on as, they, as they tie him to that flogging post and, and they begin to whip him uh, with that cat of nine tails. And then you stand by the road and you watch him as he carries that wooden cross to a skull-shaped hill. And then you see him there as they drive those nails in his hands and in his feet and you watch as they shove that crown of thorns on his head. And you look on him as darkness covers the land, as God turns out the lights, as he places the sin of the world on his son. Listen as Jesus cries out, It is finished. And you watch Jesus hanging on that cross as he, as he breathes his last, and he yields his spirit, and he dies. But don't stop watching there. Because the story isn't over yet. 
You watch as the, as the veil in the temple is ripped in two from the top down to the bottom. You see them wrap his body in those cloths and, and they take him away and you walk away heartbroken. You hear the cries of their grief-stricken, these grief-stricken followers as they leave the tomb. Their dreams are shattered. Their lives are ruined. Their hearts are filled with fear. Don't go back to town as they do. That's not where the action is. Stick around till Sunday morning because you're going to see something that had never happened before. Inside that garden tomb, the son of the living God lies dead. But on Sunday morning, the father looked into that cold, dark tomb and said, Son, get up. And, and he, this same Jesus of Nazareth, he gets up from the dead, he walks out of that tomb, and you watch him walk out with death and hell by the back of the neck. You watch him as he ascends back to the right hand of God the Father where he's now seated in power and glory. That Thursday night in that upper room, they didn't understand what peace was all about. But Sunday night... Their lives had changed forever. They had a much better idea of what that peace was all about. Jesus said in verse 28, If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. Here he was, despised and rejected. There he's honored and glorified. Here they yelled away with him. Crucify him. But up there, they're crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And one day, if we are in Christ and he is in us, we are going to join them in saying, Worthy is the lamb that was slain. He saw us in our sinful state, and he did not leave us alone. He came to this earth for them, for those disciples, and he came to this earth for you and for me. He went to the cross for us, and he rose again for us, and he's ascended back to the Father for us, and he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And one day, he's coming again for us. I want to leave you with one last song. It was a song that was saying many times in the great Welsh revival. It gives us the assurance that we, when we realize these truths, we can have peace because God has promised to never leave us alone. No, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. 
I've seen the lightning flashing and heard the thunder roll. I felt sin's breakers dashing, which tried to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of my Savior. He bid me still fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. The world's fierce winds are blowing, temptation sharp and keen. I have a peace in knowing my Savior stands between. He stands to shield me from danger when all my friends are gone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. When in affliction's valley I tread the road of care, my Savior helps me carry my cross so heavy to bear. Though all around me is darkness and earthly joys are flown, my Savior whispers his promise never to leave me alone. He died on Calvary's mountain. For me, they pierced his side. For me, he opened that fountain, the crimson cleansing tide. For me, he's waiting in glory upon his heavenly home. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Would you sing the chorus with me? No, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus, who was the great hope and encouragement and counselor and comforter and advocate in the flesh for the disciples. But thank you so much, Lord, also 
that when he ascended to the throne, you sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us as believers. Lord, that we are never alone. Lord, that if we are here this morning and we are feeling that sense of loneliness, Lord, if we don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior, let us know from the promise of his word that he has made a way where there seemed to be no way. He paid the ultimate price for our sin, and he's made a way for us to come to faith in Christ to a right relationship with God. And so, Father, I pray this morning that there would be those who may cry out in their loneliness to say, God, I don't want to be lonely anymore. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I realize I have sinned against you, and I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin, and I turn to follow you, Lord. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life and to save me, to transform me from the inside out, and to help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray that if there's someone who's prayed something like that in their own heart, in their own words maybe, and they sincerely meant that, Lord, I pray they would come this morning to publicly profess that faith in Christ to know they're never alone. But Lord, there are many who are believers who when we look at the scriptures, we're almost like those disciples, confused. How could he leave us and yet still be with us? How can we not be, how can we be alone? Father, I pray this morning that if we are here as believers and we're sensing those feelings of loneliness also, Lord, that we would come back to those assurances that we've seen this morning in this passage. And Father, I pray through the assurance of your word, may we know, Lord, that we can have a peace in our hearts that passes all understanding, knowing, Lord, we are not alone. No, never alone. Father, I pray this word would ring through our hearts and through our minds in the days to come. And Lord, that you will fill us with a sense of your power and your presence to press forward into the darkness of this world, knowing, Lord, we are not alone. You are with us. You've never left us nor forsaken us. And so, Father, I pray that if we are in that place, may we come and repent even also of our sin, Lord. We don't want anything to hinder our relationship with you. We don't want to be out of fellowship with you. And so we come this morning to repent of our sins. Lord, may your will be done in this invitation. Maybe there are those who are needing to come to join this fellowship. Lord, whatever decisions need to happen, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and may this be your invitation to your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing number 312, will you come as the Lord lays on your heart during this invitation?
be seated for just a moment. Brother Tommy's going to come and give our announcements. Uh, Ms. Ellie has an announcement. Wow, what a sermon. So exciting. I have a couple of things to present this morning just real quickly. The Buildings and Grounds and the Missions Committee has worked with the Tennessee Baptist Missionary Board and through our pastor have come up with a ministry house agreement, which he mentioned briefly this morning. Uh, this would be used for um, a Ukrainian family if we do obtain a family to come here for that. It could be used for uh, a missionary family on furlough. They usually come for around a year and stay here in the States before they go back. Uh, also, if we, when we get a minister of music, it could be used for that. So it is a multi-purposeful uh, document and it is going to be, it already is on our church website under the info tab, as Brother Jim says. <laughs> the second thing I'm really excited about uh, is that a week from tomorrow, July the 10th, our pew removal process is going to start. All of our pews are going to be taken out, they're going to be refinished, they're going to be reupholstered. Uh, during this process, um, the plan is for all of our services to continue as they have been uh, with seating here in the sanctuary, and this process will take about five to six weeks when they will be returned, the week of around August the 7th or August the 14th. You know how times can change. And thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Ella. Um, need to remember the uh, uh, men's breakfast on uh, July 15th, and we need to remember the family of uh, Jack, uh, Jack Dowd and the passing of his sister. And need to remember uh, Hunter Cruz, who's uh, the son of Jim Cousins' sister, who has colon cancer, and uh, Cindy, Jim's cousin, also has cancer. So it's just, let's remember that family. And if there are no other announcements, let's be dismissed in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Holy is your name. We thank you for the privilege of prayer and for coming together together to worship in your name. Dear Lord, as as we stumble in life, forgive us, be with us, and comfort us. Dear Lord, in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. <laughs>